Be who you are as a leader. Don't try and emulate somebody else. I think do it your own way and don't try and pretend that you're doing it a different way or just because you've seen someone speak like that. Then you, you just, that, that's what I would say. Be your own person and celebrate the personality that you've been given. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Ben Morton Leadership Podcast. It's a weekly show that brings you inspiring interviews with senior leaders and genuine subject matter experts, all designed to help you be the best leader you can possibly be. And the best part, it's completely free. In today's episode, we are joined by Sophie Hooper. Sophie is currently the CEO and founder of a breakthrough patented stretch mark prevention wear product, Secret Saviors. She has raised around 4 million for trial, development and launch of the unique product and the company has to date saved over 30,000 women from stretch marks and they are still counting. Before founding Secret Saviors, she worked in advertising with her last role being that of managing director at Team Saatchi in London. In this episode, we discuss some of the biggest leadership challenges she has faced in her career and what she learned from them along the way. We also talk about some of the things she wished she'd known at the very start of her career in terms of leadership, plus why she puts so much focus on happiness and being kind. But before we get into this episode, I've got an exciting opportunity for you. In the show notes to this episode, you'll find a link to a competition that you can enter for a chance to win a full set of four books from all of the authors I've interviewed in this season of the show. So do take a moment to enter that right now and expand your knowledge around leadership and personal development even further. But now, sit back, relax, and let's dive right in to this episode and my interview with Sophie Hooper. Sophie, a very warm welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you with us today. First of all, how are you? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Yes, I'm, I wish I was actually out in the garden, but, uh, but I'm in a nice cool room, so that's um, second best. Yes, I think as we're recording this today in the UK, it feels like just this past week, summer has finally arrived, which I think we've all been craving for, right? Well, we really have, and it's going to be 27 degrees on Thursday, so woohoo. Hopefully get out <laughs> in your garden then. Exactly. Yeah. Sophie, can you start, please, by telling me a little bit about what you're currently doing work-wise and a little bit of the journey that got you there or got you here? Yes, got me here. So my my background is actually in um, film production. I started as a producer for advertising, did that for 20 years. And then I ran a production company for Saatchi and Saatchi. Then I moved into management there and I run a, ran a Saatchi group company for eight years. And lots of different skill sets merging in there. Weirdly, I met an inventor at a Christmas party who said uh, that he had this invention that could prevent stretch marks. And I just couldn't believe it because I got stretch marks with both of my uh, children. And that was the sort of the beginning of a most extraordinary journey. I left my job 
at Saatchi's, which is, looking back on that, I don't know what I was really thinking, but I did. Uh, my children were sort of in their early teens, and I also thought I could probably do a bit more, be, be, be at home with them a bit more. And uh, myself and the inventor, Stephen, went off to raise investment with a venture capital company in the Northwest. The product is something that you wear that's got these special pads on that we call Dermadot in conjunction with a cream and a gel. And we went off and clinically trialed it. And it worked amazingly well. It presented stretch marks in 70% of women. So we knew we were onto something really good. Then we've now improved the product and it now works in 82% of women. We've just widened the range. So not only do we cover the bump, we cover cover other areas of the body to prevent stretch marks. And to date, we've saved 30,000 women in the UK from stretch marks. So that's my legacy and counting. Yeah, well, it's amazing. Thank you. It's a very different job from uh, producing commercials and running an ad agency. But um, I think probably some of the skills do overlap in other words getting stuff done on time and and also raising i've also learned a lot about raising money as a as a female business owner so here we go straight away two questions that spring to mind that i hadn't planned on on asking you um <laughs> right throughout all of that corporate career you you had did you ever did you think you would ever be an entrepreneur did you consider yourself entrepreneurial i think that one day you might build or create your own business or product or did that sort of come out of the out of the blue for you I didn't think it would happen the way it happened but when I was running team Saatchi for those years we were called the entrepreneurial arm and just management there I I think they definitely thought that I was entrepreneurial but at the time I don't know it's become a very popular word now and everyone's an entrepreneur and what is that but funny enough I was just talking about yes I've always had loads of ideas and loads of sort of product ideas and in fact the lunch I just had with it was with a um, a lady who runs a big um, cream and gel oil bubble bath manufacturer and I've had loads I had loads of ideas ages ago about stuff for kids and things so I think the answer is I've always loved a good idea, but I never really thought I'd be doing what I'm doing now so so wholeheartedly. I thought maybe there might be a way of doing it within the job that I was doing at Saatchi's, but um, never never hook, line and sinker into it, I don't think. I think you said when you started Secret Saviors, your kids were sort of teenage years and you thought you might get to spend a bit more time with them. Honestly, how did that work out? Did the dream become the reality or or did it go the other way or somewhere in between? Cause... Well, well they, they, I think they basically became my sort of, you know, crutches. <laughs> um, but no, I was around. I was around more at the beginning, definitely. And then, you know, the one thing I'd say about for anyone starting a business in, in, in any sector is it's always going to be more difficult than you first think. I think I was probably extremely naive, you know, thinking everyone's going to want this and rah, and then of course it takes longer than that and it takes more money and it takes a, it takes a lot of time and and it also, it's it's never a single sort of upward curve. There's It's very jagged up and down, up and down. Sometimes in the space of about 10 minutes you can go yeah, up and down yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you probably hear that a lot. So my my daughters definitely have lived through that with me, but they have been a huge, huge support um, throughout it. So I think we were probably both there for each other a bit. Is the answer, and I, I'm glad I was there because yeah, they were they're quite they were quite mischievous, and we'll leave that at that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the reality, certainly my experience of, of building my own business for ten years now, is. I think you probably work more is is the reality than when you when you're employed but you can to a degree you can do it on your terms right so you can fit in that work around 
particular family commitments that you want to want to be there for you've got a little more flexibility right because you can make it up when when you want and at a time that suits you to a degree yes absolutely and and i mean you know i'm sure they would groan at this but you know they did help me you know my daughter was doing social media there were wonderful weekends where we were in the garage checking stock <laughs> um and things like that so they and i do think that they if you ask them i i, I think they would say that they've learned a lot by just hearing me um, working and going through what I've gone through and and and, and everything. So, um, but yes, I, I suppose. I mean, again, you know what it's like having your own business. You could literally be on your phone the whole time if you wanted to. So you have to put that away and you have to make time for for the family. But I I, I think that's the difference between having having your own business and then working for someone like Sarchi's, where you know it 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 means more, especially if you've actually got money skin in the game as they say you've got your own money into it all of a sudden you don't want to be missing those emails and you want to be on a lot because it it it's so important but getting that balance with your kids yeah yeah absolutely someone once asked me after a um sort of conference presentation i i gave and they said and actually it's a question i've got for for you a little later they said what's been my biggest challenge as, as a leader and it's like an obvious question, but it's one that I kind of really had to pause and, and think about and, and reflect on for a while. And eventually I said, look, without wanting to sound too trite about this, actually the biggest leadership challenge, despite all the stuff I did in, in the military as a, as a younger man, I'd say it's being a parent. Would you? My, da- yeah. my daughter's like 11 now, going on 15 because you've hit that age, bless yeah, her. Yeah. But it probably is like the biggest leadership challenge, right? Because they are always watching us, always yeah. watching what we do. We can't suddenly go, oh, do you know what? Today I can't really be asked being being, being, a, a, parent. A, a, being a parent. So I'm going to like <laughs> defer today. Like we, we can't. They're just watching and copying everything that we do. And so many times when I'm like, catch a little tone in something Freya said or see a little behavior that I'm like, oh, I'm not quite sure about that. And I go to sort of maybe comment on it and I pause and go, well, hang on, like, where did she get that from? But nine times out of 10, it's, it's me or, or her mum, Jo. Like, exactly, exactly. But I, but no, I, com- I completely agree. And, and I think, you know, for me, I mean, I'm a, I, I was a single mother from when they were very little. And, you know, that kind of plays into what we were going to talk about later as well, you know, just being tenacious. I didn't want them to, I wanted them to look at me and be a role model. I, you know, I wanted them to go, my mum worked, you know, but you're right, when they're in, in their teens, they, you're just a nuisance, aren't you? You know, you're not, it doesn't really matter. But luckily, they're not teenagers anymore. And I, I kind of think job done, because they do say that, that, that I am their role model, which actually, you're right, it means everything. It means more than being a success in business or anything. You know, the fact that you, you've got your children looking up to, you know, looking up to you and wanting to copy certain things that you've done not everything, is actually a really great achievement, yeah. Yeah, and that's a nice lead-in, actually, to, to one of the questions I did plan to ask you, um, which is one I ask most guests. So what does leadership mean to you? Because it's a word we all use so often, so many people write about it, but actually it's got so many different definitions of meaning. So what, what's leadership to you, Sophie? For me, in um, when I was at Saatchi's and now, it's having a very clear vision and a very, a very clear path about where you're going and bringing people along that path with you. And I mean, for me, it's it's keeping up the energy, it's leading by example, you know. So you know, I don't expect people to do what I do, which is answer emails really, really quickly, but just you know, just sort of t- being there, turning up. You know, I'm 
last week I was down at the warehouse packing products. We had a couple of people going. I don't want anyone to think that I'm not getting my hands dirty or whatever. And then it's very different now with a small company, but there's still the same problems, you know, and things you've got to manage, like managing up. So I, particularly at Saatchi's, I, I definitely, with my team, I would be the buffer between senior management and them because I just wanted them to have fun and get on with their jobs because, you know, a fun person, if someone's having fun at work, they're unstoppable, aren't they? <laughs> so I would sort of be that buffer. And and I do tend to do that with, with the team now. Very different people that I'm managing up to because whether it's investors and shareholders and things, but, you know, there's 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 quite a lot of that that I do that I don't bother the team with particularly. So, so I think it's, it's lead by example, have a very clear vision. I mean, I... I, I I, I do believe that the team I've got now, we all absolutely 100% believe in what we're doing and that we're going to get there. And sometimes we wobble, but, you know, it's just getting... And, and if I wobble a bit, then I've got someone that puts me back on the... And, it, and it's having that. That's It's sort of completely blinkered to um, it's going to be a success. And I think that's really hard to question, isn't it? You know, and it, you know, how do you question someone saying, "Oh, well, I don't, I don't think it is going to work." You know, it's, it's it, that. That's what. That's what my type of leadership skills are, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, holding on to the, holding on to the vision, staying true to the vision. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. absolutely. And you mentioned there, like we all wobble. Sometimes you, you have have a wobble. That that's interesting as well because I think in a previous interview, uh, I think it's an article I I read an in, uh, interview article where you'd said being resilient is one of your top tips or a major piece of advice you'd share with people setting out on a leadership journey or entrepreneurial journey. And again, that's a word that gets used a lot, especially in the in the past few years. And there was an interesting article I read, which basically said like, stop telling your people to be resilient because they just see it as some cover up for you putting too much pressure and stress on them as an organization which I, I partly get the sentiment of, of that article. What does resilience mean mean to you? It's quite a lot of things for me because, you know, it's like I said earlier, it's being a single mother. I wanted to bring my daughters up in a certain way. So it's it's that absolutely single-minded, I'm going to do something. So that's that's what it's been all the way along. And I think with in running a, a, a startup, you know, there are things that knock you off the whole time and you have to get up and keep going. And it is hard and you just have to remember, you have to sort of remember why you're doing it in the first place. So, you know, there are lots of things that, I mean, in fact, something that happened, the, the truck from Turkey with all our stock arrived on it and um, it arrived early and there was literally no one to unpack 165 boxes. 165 boxes off this truck and the Turkish driver wasn't doing it so uh, myself and our and my sales and marketing director we basically we basically looked at each other and we just went there is no way round this we cannot find anyone else we're going to have to do it and it was literally screaming in every bit of us I don't want to unload a truck but you just have to do it and you, you know there's I think there's a lot of things like that that you just have to keep going and and even when there are problems, I mean, I kind of, I like problem solving, but sometimes it gets quite overwhelming, but you just have to be like a dog with a bone and just go, I'm just, I'm not going to get knocked off course. Yeah, I, I mean, at Sarchi's, our motto is nothing's impossible. And I like to think that I emulate that a bit. You just have to, you just have to, you can't, yeah, you have to keep going. Throwing in the towel just isn't, isn't an option. So is that learned for you or is that innately you? Does that come from childhood upbringings an example from your your parents or is that something you've got better at over the years 
I think I've got better at it over the years. I mean, I definitely, I am, I'm one of those competitive people that I kind of do know that I ruin games with my kids because they go, <laughs> Mom, you always have to win. <laughs> and, uh, and interestingly, they're not that competitive, but I do have that very competitive nature. And, and I, and I, but I do think that if it's something that you really believe in, and I really believe that our, our, our product is a completely unique offering, it, it, it is going to be a success. And you know, I've done jobs in the past where you're trying to sell something that you're not quite sure yeah. about, and that's actually really hard. But selling something that is completely unique, that works, that can change people's lives, it's a no-brainer, really. I think I always had it in me, and I'm just pro- probably harnessing it in a better way in the business that I'm in now. Hey, quick one for you. I want to make sure that you know about my 10 for 10 leadership program. It's an online program that's totally free. It's bite-sized and it covers some of the most common leadership topics and challenges that I frequently get asked about. It's also a course that gets consistently great feedback. You can find out more by heading to the online courses page of my website at ben-morton.com. So it sounds to me from listening to you chat, Sophie, that part of the energy and drive, one of the things that helps you get back up when you've had a knock or a wobble is just the the belief in your your product, right? But where else does does some of that energy come from? Are there any other like tools or habits or rituals that you might have to help you stay stay en- energized? Because as much as we might love what we do it, it can still be hard sometimes right like i i love what i do but there's still periods where you have to do something to maintain your energy and and sort of channel channel that that energy on some days yes i mean i'm i have a dog right. which is which is extremely important to me she's a very good listener and <laughs> uh, but no that she's more than that you know i i can see why dogs are sent to um, old people's homes and things because they have an incredible calming hmm. you know that that, and they pick up on you so you can't go around being all ah, all the time um and and i think the best thing is that they you, ha- you have a dog and you and you get out into nature and i've been particularly bad in the, in the past at not really appreciating that but just going on a walk with her without a phone listening smelling all that kind of stuff it's just so calming and i do try and go out at lunchtime every day to to do that and, I, and i'd say i'd say i'm very very lucky with my family and my friends i mean they have been behind me all the way and I've got certain friends who will know who they are that I you know they they I go along and I chat to them and you know so I know it's a cliche but they are radiators you know when you're when you're being drained every five minutes they are just literal literally radiators and if I am wobbling or thinking oh gosh they absolutely put me back on track so I'm I'm very very lucky to have that that kind of support network. Do you find um this is maybe a question I need to answer for me which is potentially why, why I'm asking it do you find there are times when you have to very consciously make the effort to get in touch with those friends and go and hang out with them to, to recharge. Because if you don't, it it just slips because you just drop in and in and into the work. And before you know it, you've been become a little little isolated. Yes. And I, 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 I've definitely noticed my, in myself that if things are going really well at work, I want to see everybody. And then it's harder to go and see people when you know you feel like it's a it's really hard work and it's very easy especially if you're working from home just to stay at home exactly the sort of you know and start worrying but i do know 
that every time I felt like that, going out and seeing someone and making the effort makes you feel better. It just reminds you about who you are. Because, you know, we, we do meet up as a team, but there's, the majority of the time we are kind of working from home. And it is quite, it's good to, to see people who remind you of, of the kind of person that you are. And so if you're changing tax slightly, what would you say has been one of the most sort of testing challenges you've had from a leadership perspective either now running secret saviors or when when you was at, at Saatchi and sort of what did you what did you learn from the experience I, I definitely think it's running secret saviors I think the whole running a small business is so completely different in every aspect of it that I've had to learn from how cream and gels are made to perfumes to manufacturing to accounts to investment to supply chain it's just been and you kind of forget how much you actually know until you talk about it like this but I think the the most challenging for me was we were about to close on a round of investment just before lockdown and then literally as everybody knows everything just everyone just went away there was just nobody there and we we were like oh my god and everyone was panicking like you know no one really knew what was going on and I and I got the team together and we just said right we've actually got everybody's eyes on now on social media let's absolutely go for it and I really enjoyed that first lockdown because we were absolutely flying and we were lucky enough to be set up on all these channels before all the big brands came on. We did these um, Facebook and Instagram lives, which we ran like a little bit of a TV show, you know, competitions. And when I look back on it now, it was really hard because we didn't know what was going to happen because we needed money before, but we got through it. And I look and I look back on that even now and think, I don't know how we got through, but we did. And it was hard work, but it was fun. And we were all in it together. And I think, you know, I, I think that just shows the beauty of working in a team and having a team that, you know, are, are very loyal to me and loyal to the brand. And, and just that feeling that, you know, you especially over that COVID thing, you weren't alone. We were going to do it. And we even came up with a lovely uh, brand um, campaign idea, which was bubble wrap your bump because these, you wear it over your bump with the little pads, you know. And, and, it, and the pregnant women loved it, you know. And it, it's just one extra layer of wrapping on their bump to prevent from the virus, you know, get back COVID. You know, it was, uh, yeah. So I think, I, but I, I mean, I'm laughing about it now, but it was absolutely terrifying. Um, terrifying because I, you know, I don't want to let go of this business and I don't want to let all our investors down. And I, you know, we can't, you know, we've got to keep it going. And okay, there's a virus, but, you know, we've just got to turn that to our advantage. So if you'll allow me to ask a very coachy type question, I can't help, can't help myself as as a coach. (laughs) (laughs) You you said there, like, I don't know how we got through that period, but I I suspect you probably do. Like, what do you think are some of the things that helped you get through that period because it sounds like you didn't just get through it it sounds like you almost like thrived and ultimately grew because of that period like what what do you think some of the things were that enabled you to get through it I think it was probably coming together as a team and it goes back to that kind of tenacity doesn't it or 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 resilience just we're not gonna we're not going to have this bring us down I think we did we did do very well and then being very well meant that we could take uh, revenue share loans and we kind of got through it like that that kind of thing so it was a kind of learning curve but but at the, it's almost like if you actually put if i put myself back to that day in march looking looking ahead how are we going to get which we didn't know it was going to be actually 18 months and it's i think it's a good thing that you don't know how long 
You have to keep yeah, going for yeah, otherwise yeah. you just go, oh my God. But 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 yeah, we do. If, if we'd known, we uh, if things might have been very different, right? If we knew at the start how long it was going to go on. Exactly, for. and and it, and it was it was just a big old team team play. You know, we had our, our fulfillment house send all the product to my house. We were packing product in the kitchen, getting it out that way. There was, I had another, a Vicky, a, a, the marketing lady, had her family doing the same, and and it was it. We all really pulled together and pulled each other up. And even though a couple of us did have COVID, we just kept going. So I think I think it is that positive attitude. Our pregnant women need us more now than ever because they're not even allowed to leave the house or go to the hospital. That's what got us through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I assume you probably people you're bringing into the business, you actively look for people who have that resilience, tenacity. That's a similar sort of drive, right? Yes. And um, I mean, everybody on our team knows that this product is fantastic. I would say that some of the some of the newer members of the team come on and you know they they will do whatever it takes to make this a success when there's an awful lot of goodwill I think and I think without being too oh it's me I think just the leadership style of of we're in it together and having that clear vision I think people buy into that and it sounds like an awful thing to say but you know even when people have finished a project with someone they'll say well, but we still like to do stuff for free for you which is just amazing you know because we really want this to be a success and that's just lovely to have people kind of around you that are like that. The other thing I wanted to ask you about as well is it's something that cropped up when we spoke ahead of this conversation ahead of this recording to, to plan it and again it's something that I'm hearing more and more leaders in senior roles talking about and it's things like happiness and kindness and and fun which probably even go back 10 years you just wouldn't have heard people saying those sorts of words talking about that sort of stuff in in, in the business world like the one that blew me away was the when I spoke to the it's going back a long time now the former deputy supreme allied commander of, of NATO in Europe said he, he's always believed that a happy headquarters is an effective one like now I've read a lot of the the research around happiness from Harvard and like I, I get it but I never thought like NATO would have been talking about happiness. And there he was, like really senior general saying, no, if you've got a happy team, they're going to perform better ultimately in a war fighting environment, which was like slightly, slightly mind blowing. But you said when we connected something that really stuck with me, I think it's something along the lines of you refuse not to be nice. Why, why is that so important for you? And what does that sort of look like in, in practice day to day leading the business? I would always prefer to be nice, even if you're delivering something that's maybe not particularly nice. And I and I think you have to look at how you'd like to be treated yourself. And, you know, when working in advertising, it was enormous fun, enormous pressure. And there were certain people that weren't very nice. And I, I felt that, that all of a sudden you start worrying about what you're doing. And then you're exactly as you're saying, you're not working at flow and, and you're you know constantly thinking, oh God, why does that person want, want to have a call with me? And that, that's just no way to, I know what that's like. And I, there's, a, there's obviously a time to put your foot down and say it nicely, but there's no reason in my mind why you can't do that nicely and compassionately. And I really do. I really push back against certain people in business that, you know, are actually really not very nice at all on email or horrible on the phone. There's, and I always go back to them being ultra nice <laughs> because I just don't want to be like that. And especially with the team, I don't really believe in a blame culture. I, I think I said to you before that, you know, I prefer to sort of shield them from all of these little nick, nick, nick that come down from everywhere else because that, if, if they're worrying about that, they can't get on with their job and be effective. I also think it's probably being kind of people pleaser type person. So I, I 
that's how I would like to be treated. And I remember saying to a friend of mine a couple of years ago, oh, God, you know, people are always saying to me, you need to toughen up, So if you need to toughen up and you need to tell these people this, that and the other. And I, I don't want to be that person. And that's what I mean by I refuse not to be nice because it's not in my nature. And I don't think you get the best out of people if you're like that. Yeah, 100% agree. 100% agree. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess linked to that, again, in terms of leadership, is there something, maybe a, a few things that as we look back on our career, again, I think it was Steve Jobs, right, that said you can only connect the dots looking, looking backwards. <laughs> yeah. What are the things maybe that you think, oh, man, you know, I wish someone had told me that at the start of my leadership career, or if only I knew that at the start, I might have operated slightly different as a as, as a leader. And I, I guess really asking the question in another way, it's sort of what are the your top tips or top bits of advice you'd give someone about to step into a senior leadership role or an MD, CEO role, or even starting their own starting their own business? Like what are some of the top leadership tips? Be who you are as a leader. Don't try and emulate somebody else. A few years ago, I was part of this amazing group of female founders, and we all did our Myers-Briggs personality colours. And the lady that was taking it just said to me, Sophie, you are the most yellow person I've ever met. And I thought, oh, God. And actually, that was a complete revelation to me because the yellow person is, you know, waving their hands around, chat, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of those things, when I look back, I've been criticised for being asking too many questions, being too loud, having a loud voice, doing all, being all the things that yellows are, and it kind of the penny just dropped. And I thought, actually, no, I didn't realise that there was actually a personality trait like that. And I thought, I'm really glad to be that person because no one else was in the whole group. I think do it your own way and don't try and pretend that you're doing it a different way or just because you've seen someone speak like that then you, you just that that's what I would say be your own person and celebrate the personality that you've been given hmm. I think I would then add on to that if I was to to be so bold was and I didn't do this at one point in my career soon enough if you really can't be who you are as a leader the person you want to the type of leader you want to be if you really can't do that in the organization you find yourself in then it's probably not the right organization for, for you, right? Because again, I found that as a result, I wasn't happy. I wasn't enjoying the work. So I was rarely in that flow state where I was performing well. So I was miserable and the organization wasn't getting much from me. And that spilled over to, to home. So it is it is so important sort of holistically, I think, to, to get comfortable in your own skin, work out who you are, the type of leader you want to be and just unashamedly be be that person right you might, you might want to polish a few few edges and <laughs> develop a few a few traits and knock a few edges off but but be that person right unless you're a, unless you're a complete narcissist <laughs> yes exactly yes i don't know what color that is but um black, and then black. Also, when, black yeah and then when you when you actually work out what your strengths and, and weaknesses are then you can complement them by bringing other people in the team that can you know i am not i am not an Excel spreadsheet kind of person. I, I have tried. I have tried, Ben. <laughs> I've even tried to put colours in there, but I'm much more creative, you know. And but but it's actually accepting that and thinking you cannot be good at everything. And that's and especially in a startup situation, you have to know a bit about everything. But you can see quite quickly which bits you're thriving off and which bits 
a dra- you know you drain off so i think yeah just exactly that and and you know we do celebrate personalities in in our culture now don't we you know there used to be a time when if you if you ha- if you were a bit loud and you had a really strong northern accent everyone would be frowning at you and everything and now you know just celebrate the different personalities and um and the different styles yeah i love it um sophie got a couple of quick fire questions to to bring this episode to a close. The first one is, um, what would you say is the one book that has had the greatest impact on you? Or to ask a question a slightly different way, one book that you frequently find yourself recommending to other people? I've read a lot of books. In fact, all I seem to do really now is read business books, which is so boring, isn't it? <laughs> but um, the one the one that I've read the most recently is by um, a very good friend of mine called Julia Elliott Brown, and it's called Ray's. It's available on Amazon and um, she's written it and it's all about female entrepreneurs and female and raising female funding in a very male dominated world. And I love I love that book for lots of reasons. One, because I know quite a few of the ladies that she um, uses as a case history, including me. It's really, really good book about how to navigate that world and and for me just re, re i've read it a couple of times just even reading the bit that i said in 2018 it sort of makes you it makes you realize why why we're doing it but everybody's on the same struggle she sets it out very very well as to how to navigate all these problems and i i, I recommend it to everybody it's a good one brilliant brilliant and what is the one item other than your phone, that if it were to be lost, broken or stolen, you'd immediately find yourself going out to replace? Well, I've thought about this question, actually. And my first thing was Google, but then no one would steal Google. Because I, <laughs> I, I literally it. go on Google every uh, so many times a day with my questioning mind. But I think it would have to be my house keys, which is a bit boring because if I couldn't get into my house, I couldn't get into my comfort zone and my, and my dog and, and everything. So I think it would be that. Brilliant. Love it. Sophie, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a brilliant conversation. I've loved talking to you. I've loved learning from you, as I'm sure the listeners will. So thank you so much for your time and all the very best with continuing to to build such a a purpose-driven business. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of the show. I do hope you got value from it and I'd love to know what you thought of this episode and what bits in particular resonated with you. So do connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on there as Ben Morton Leadership and let me know what you thought of this episode or to do that, you can also click on the feedback link in the show notes. And whilst you're in there rummaging around the show notes, do please remember to enter that competition to win not one, but four different books from this season of the show. And finally, before you go, can I ask you to do just one thing for me that will take you no more than three minutes, five at the very most. Please can you rate and review the show wherever you happen to be listening. It really does make a huge difference. And without those reviews, we simply won't be able to keep the show going and bring you more and more interviews from fantastic leaders like Sophie. And if you've done all of that and you've still got a minute to spare, please do share the link to the show with your friends, colleagues and to your social media channels so even more people can get this valuable learning that you've just gotten yourself. That's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Look after yourself. Look after those you've got the privilege and responsibility to lead. And until next time, lead on. Mm -hmm.